What's up? You're listening to Fork the Product. I'm your host, Nick Casares. And I'm your other host, Zach Cohen. Fork the Product is a podcast that explores the intersection of blockchain, product, and user experience. We interview founders and builders to understand how they're approaching problems in the blockchain space. This show is brought to you in part by Polyant Labs. Nick, can you talk for a second about Polyant? Sure. Polyant is a blockchain-focused, early-stage startup incubator. We're headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona. And I say we're because in my other life, I'm the director of product for Polyant. Long story short, we help founders bring their ideas to life by providing them with early-stage funding, mentoring, and support with things like development, design, and marketing services. If you're an entrepreneur or developer and you have a vision that you'd like to discuss with Polyant, visit our website at polyant.io, that's P-O-L-Y-I-E-N-T dot I-O for more information. Great. Thanks for your support, Polyant. Now on to today's show. We apologize if the audio quality of this episode is a little bit different than what you've come to expect. The following episode was recorded live and on location at ETH Denver 2020. In this episode, we sit down with Dennis Omer, head of ecosystem growth at Kyber Network, an on-chain liquidity protocol that aggregates liquidity from a wide range of reserves, powering instant and secure token exchange in any decentralized application. All right, welcome back to Fork the Product. We're here at day two of ETH Denver 2020, and we're excited to have Dennis Omer from Kyber Network. Welcome to the show. Hi, yeah, great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you just kick us off with a bit of background on Kyber? Yeah, so Kyber is a decentralized liquidity protocol that was launched in February 2018. And we basically provide liquidity to the whole Ethereum ecosystem. So what that means at a very simple level is we let you convert one token to another completely on chain without giving custody of your funds. And you know, swapping one token to another sounds like a very super simple idea. And most of the times for traders, it says, you know, buy something, sell something. Sure. But the cool thing is when you actually plug it into wallets and games and decentralized finance applications, you can have many other crazy different use cases that require, you know, converting one value to another value. So that's what Kyber basically does. We swap one token to another within the Ethereum ecosystem, within dozens of wallets, decentralized finance applications, games, NFTs, and all this kind of thing. Very cool. So is, is Kyber similar, I guess, in, in, in use to Uniswap? Um, well, yeah, they both convert one token to another, but their approach is slightly different. Okay. Um, do you want me to over? Yeah, no, we, yeah. we'd love to hear about that, yeah. So, I mean, if you think of how Uniswap um, provides liquidity, is there's you have a formula that is basically a curve, mm-hmm. and the price is determined by the size of the trade. The bigger the trade, the higher up the curve you go, so the more slippage you have. That's why you need to pump a lot of inventory, lock up a lot of value into Uniswap to kind of be able to scale. On the other side, you have Kyber, where you can still have this automated market maker system that Uniswap has, but that is just one out of many different kinds of liquidity that you can plug in and provide downstream. So you can have manual, like professional market makers you can have different teams using automated market makers. You can have whatever creative way of providing liquidity you can think of. Sure. You can plug it into Kyber. So it's more versatile in that sense. And what you end up with is you're much more capital efficient than Uniswap. In Uniswap, let's say you look up $10 million worth of value and you get a certain amount of trading in return for that. On Kyber, you need one-fifth 
of the inventory locked up to provide the same kind of uh, volume and liquidity. Okay. That's so kind it's of a difference. Yeah. 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 And your role at, at Kyber, tell us about that. So my role is uh, I'm the head of ecosystem growth, which basically means looking out for different projects in the space and seeing which of them can make use of this uh, liquidity. So you might have a DAP, for example, that requires its own native token to be used within that DAP. Plug in Kyber and the end user can use any token in their hot wallet. It will get converted within one transaction into the token required by that DAP. So for the end user, they didn't have to go to the third party, sure. exchange it to sure. what's needed. So you've re we've removed one layer of friction from there. It's a bit more seamless. Yeah. Can you actually, you know, elaborate on who your target users are? Like, who are you trying to solve problems for, and um, what are those problems? Yeah. Uh, well, we cater to a wide range of people that require liquidity. So, at a very simple level, we have traders who might want to trade completely on chain, and they might want to do arbitrage trades between different dexes. They use Kyber. On the other hand, we have decentralized finance applications. That let's say if DeFi app wants to build a, a leveraged 3x ETH position. So they might lock up ETH in DAI, issue more, um, sorry, they might lock up ETH, issue DAI, get that DAI, um, buy more ETH with it, lock up that ETH, get more DAI, so that you have the circular loop where you leverage. But this is maybe 9, 10, 11 different transactions. Sure, sure. With Kyber, you just plug it in and you can do all of that within one transaction. So there's no like 12 times clicking and approving things. It's much more seamless and it's integrated at a smart contract level. So we're seeing DeFi dApps use that swapping functionality, which is just integrated for these different unique use cases and just to automate that whole process. Okay. And in terms of what you offer developers, I assume you have some sort of toolkit or tell us a little bit more about the product from that perspective. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the great feedback we get is that it's super easy to integrate Kyber. And we have a developer.kyber.network kind of portal where you can go there. All the documentation is there, and it's incredibly easy to use. Well, I mean, whenever we have hackathons, we have maybe a dozen different projects integrating with Kyber just because it's so easy. And we actually provide three different flavors of integration. You can use off-the-shelf Kyber widget, which is super simple, like plug and play, and there you have a widget that pops up to convert one token to another. Mm -hmm. You could use an API if that's what you want, or you could even do direct smart contract level integration, which, which is much more seamless. You know. The, on the front end, you, you don't know Kyber's being used sure, in that. Sure. You know, for example, in the Decentraland auction, you know, Decentraland requires mana. Well, the, the user could have come and spent any token, mm. even if he didn't have mana, sure. and it was just converted to mana within the same transaction and pushed further along. Right. Are, you, are you being used by any of the NFT marketplaces like OpenSea? Um, not with OpenSea. We're, we're being used by a few different cover sites. Um, a few different uh, auction sites, but not no OpenSea because you can't list NFTs on on Kyber. Right. But you could still have this kind of converting to the to the token that would be required by that platform. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that really does seem to solve. Uh, you know, that's one of many steps that we just have to eliminate to yeah. make this whole thing scale. Um, yeah. So, uh, I one quick question. You know. You are ecosystem growth. You're here at East Denver. Can you actually talk a little bit about like going into this? What is your goal given your role? Uh, well, one of one of the goals of coming to East Denver is actually seeing what people are talking about, seeing which narratives are kind of catching wind. Yeah. If there's anything new that's coming up, because this space grows so fast, 
before you know it, oh, there's this new new primitive like streaming right. money that's catching fire. <laughs> then there's like a, you know no loss lotteries that's become really popular. So you come yeah. here and you have direct conversation with people, yeah, see what they're building, and of course you have the whole hackathon on top of that to see what people literally build over the weekend, yeah, to see if any of these will actually become products maybe in the future and yeah. if Kyber is used in any of them. We can give them the support and see what they're thinking, what their pain points are. So it's basically just being part of the Ethereum conversation. You know, that's what we come here to do. It's great. Yeah, yeah boots so, on the ground. And that's, yeah. we were just having a conversation with some other folks and yeah, coming to these hackathons and, you know, being able to be on the ground, it's a great way to learn and feel the pain of users if there yeah. is, get that feedback. Um, and do you have other folks from the team here participating in, um, what is that interaction like? Yeah, I mean, we have a developer here from our Singapore office and he oh, wow. directly helps any any hackers that might have questions. So it's always amazing to be on site to to support them immediately. Yeah. Uh, we have our developer Telegram group and those guys are there 24 hours a day in case there's any other questions while our developer is sleeping. We have a few local ambassadors here that are interacting and meeting people and explaining the product to people who never heard of Kyber. It's great. Yeah. I'm curious when you when you go back to the office after one of these events, um, yeah. you know, because we 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 see the same things and, and have similar experiences in terms of networking with the community and then you know trying to decode that and take away some insights. I'm curious when you get back to the office, who are you collaborating with on your team to kind of debrief and turn those insights into maybe actionable steps in your product? Uh, well, there's a few different people, and it'll, it'll depend on the situation. I mean, if there's a token, if there's a project that wants to list their token, for example, um, I'll talk to our the guy who's in charge of that. If there's new projects that are coming on board, we'll usually create like a common group between our developers uh, and the teams, so that we have a direct line of communication and we can answer really quickly instead of having to go through emails or or, or any other thing. Sure. Um, yeah, apart from that, it'll be like me just following up with projects, seeing where they are like one, two weeks down the line, how we can help them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what's the, how, how large is the Kyber team? It's around 45 to maybe 50 people. What's the makeup of the team? So we, oh, you, um, okay, so we have uh, two main offices. One is in Singapore and one is in Vietnam. We have a strong developer team in Vietnam that works with that's built the Kyber Swap, which is like the front-end UI right. kind of implementation of Kyber. Uh, I'm based in Cyprus. We have a guy in Greece. So we're kind of spread sure. around. Truly decentralized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I would love to hear some anecdotes of, you know, what is it like for, and if you can name a specific project, can you just walk us through the life cycle of what that interaction is like and even draw from here, if they're happen? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe I can give the example of maybe Instadap. They, they were uh, the Jane brothers. They they hacked at ETH India. I think it's been over two years now. That was like a bridge between. Well, now now they're like a decentralized bank. You know, it's super simple to convert you move your CDPs from Maker to different platforms, mm-hmm. uh, taking out loan. But back then they they were tiny, and we saw that you know they built this nice product and used this Kyber in the back end as well. And we had a great connection and uh, we supported them. So, okay, sometimes what can happen is teams will integrate Kyber and we will have no idea about it and then mm-hmm. they'll just release and then we hear about it. And that's the beauty of the decentralized part. You know, there's so much happening, sure. <laughs> it's so hard to follow. And these things happen as well, which makes my work 
Yeah. So much easier. Yeah. Job right. is done by <laughs> them. Yeah. Or otherwise, I'll come and meet the team here and it'll make sense for, for them to use Kyber and then I'll follow up with them once everyone's gone back home and, you know, uh, rested. And But because it's decentralized, there isn't too much hands-on things to yeah. do. It's not like a business um, relationship. It's more like, like, it's like friends, you know, and uh, if, the, if yeah. there is something yeah. happening on, net, on the network, we can, we do let them know. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, um, it is a business after all. So can you describe a little bit about the business model for Kyber? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we have the Kyber Network token, which is required by the liquidity providers. So every time you do a trade, 0.3% of that is kind of burnt. So that's like the kind of overall token model of, of the whole Kyber ecosystem. Um, we do run our own reserve manager, our liquidity provider, which is pretty profitable. I mean, we provide very competitive prices, but uh, our reserve manager makes profit on the, on the spread as well. And now we're actually moving to something called Catalyst, which is we're moving from this burning model to more like a staking model. So if you're a Kyber hold, um, KNC holder, you stake and you can participate and vote in the governance of Kyber. So you can decide how much should be spent on rebates, like out of the fee that's collected, how much should be distributed as rebates to market makers, how much should go to stakers as reward, and how much should be burnt. You know, so that's the kind of, we're calling it like the Kyber DAO, and that's, that'll be released sometime in Q2 probably. And that's kind of the model we're really excited about and looking forward to where it's like decentralized governance, that like the wisdom of the crowd and different stakeholder groups determine what is the best, uh, like distribution ratio for the growth of the overall ecosystem. Is that a two thirds majority or how does the approval process work? We haven't really locked down, but I mean, it should be 50% like, okay. um, yeah, yeah, to pass the votes. Yeah. So on Fork the Product, obviously we're interested in product and UX. It's a big part of moving the ecosystem forward. I'm looking over here, Zach has the uh, developer documentation pulled up on the screen. Yeah. And you know, it looks nice, it's got a good design, it looks like somebody's paying attention to that part of the product. So yeah. maybe tell us a little bit more about behind the scenes. Do you have a UX person working on this stuff and how are they going about creating a great resource for developers? Uh, yeah, I mean, that is the result of a couple of years work and feedback loops and going to hackathons and seeing what are the questions being asked of us seeing what kind of questions and then catering for that and kind of anticipating what their needs uh, will be. And that's on the developer side. And then on the UI side for KyberSwap, for example, we have like our product, our product manager who's amazing and who's really built something that is super straightforward to use. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, crypto is already difficult enough as it is with yeah. private <laughs> key management and all of that. So if you go to KyberSwap today, it's super simple. It's, um, it's easy to understand. And if you do want to do the more complicated stuff, our, the developer resources are there. We're online as well to, to answer any questions. So I think we try to cover every different angle. And we have a widget generator there as well. Pick the yeah. colors you want, pick the wallet address you want, and that's it, you know, it's done. Yeah, and you guys have experienced quite a bit of growth. Uh, can you talk through uh, a little bit about that experience? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, pretty, it's been pretty impressive. And the interesting thing is about a year ago, I started writing these monthly ecosystem updates where I would dive into the last month's data, compare it with previous months and kind of look for trend lines. Mm. And last January 2019, we had $5 million worth of trading in a month. And every month we saw that keep growing up and up and up. 
until like last last January we had the sixty seven million dollars. So in terms of wow. pure volumes, we've gone from five million to sixty seven million dollar volume. But volume doesn't tell you the whole story. For us, what is important is like the number of new, unique addresses interacting with Kyber, yeah. the number of repeat users. And when you look at the charts, like those have been going up as well, five, six, seven, eight thousand. So it's an upward growth uh, momentum, which is, which is great to see, you know, because yeah. in a bull market, that it kind of inflates your volumes anyway. It's volatility. Right. But when we see that every month we've been steadily increasing the number of apps integrated, Every month, new users have been growing up. Awareness has been increasing. That's for us what's made us really happy, you know, to see that kind of growth. Yeah. And diversity has increased as well. When we first started, it was purely around Kyber and some volumes, some wallets that were bringing the volume. Now wallets are a much more percentage and we have the decentralized finance apps. We have the games, NFTs. It's much, it's much more of a colorful ecosystem compared to a year ago. Yeah. And what is your, your engagement metric, if you think about it that way? Are you looking at like uh, transactions per address per month or something like that? We're looking at everything. Okay. I, mean, I have a dashboard which has like maybe six, seven different metrics from number of trades to number of unique users to repeat users to average ETH per, per trade. Mm. So we're looking at it like a, as an overall picture. And overall, all of these have been trending upwards as well. You, you, can, you can go on our blog and you'll see like the last... 12 months, 16 months, like a bar chart showing what's happened each month and it's clearly taking off. Yeah. And, and user is synonymous with address in that user framework? User anonymous, yeah, yeah. Or, or no, I mean, a user is an address, that's how you're thinking about it? Yes, yeah, so, okay. a user is an address, yeah. Okay. Although, I mean, our product manager for Kybersoft would probably have the whole like uh, actual uh, visitor numbers as well. Right, But right. I don't really look at that side, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, you have your finger on the pulse of you know, the broader ecosystem, given your role. What are some of the big trends that you're seeing um, developing now and, you know, increasing in the future? What we're definitely seeing is that, okay, we built all these decentralized finance applications and we're seeing that they're super composable. So we're seeing like a mix and match of different services to kind of build niche like products, like whatever problem you have, instead of having to reinvent the wheel, you can pick and mix what you need. And like one example of that is uh, Diversify. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It used to be the Bitfinex. Bitfinex created this Ethereum-focused platform. And Diversify is like a margin trading platform where you can go long, for example. Okay. But Diversify uses Fulcrum in the back end to provide that service. And Fulcrum is a, like a margin trading platform on Ethereum. And Fulcrum uses Kyber to kind of build those margin trading positions. Mm. And then Kyber uses Uniswap and Oasis and Bancor to pull in liquidity. And then other users put in liquidity into Uniswap. So you have this six step kind of value <laughs> chain that you know the diversify end user has no idea what's happening in the background, yeah. but it's been this whole chain just to bring some kind of service. You know, that's really cool to see that. I, I think, yeah, and I'd be curious from your perspective, Obviously, that opens up a lot of area for innovation that, yeah. you know, it, 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 we'll see things that we've never been able to really see before in the finance world. Does it, is there a dark side to that, though, in terms of, you know, there's this, this uh, product upon product <laughs> upon product and, you know, is it a house of cards in some situations? Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be the case that that whole chain is only as strong as the, as the weakest link, sure. right? And there's definitely weak links in this space as well, you know. Weak links could be 
just the fact that some of these products have like admin keys that can take over the whole contract and drain the funds, mm. which I mean, to me, it sounds crazy. Like Hyper doesn't yeah, do that. It doesn't take custody of the funds, but the architecture is like that. Some of them has have pause futures, for example. But because it's still growing, I think it's okay. It's a compromise. I mean, sure. Otherwise, if there is a bug, you might never be able to stop it. It might lead to higher loss. And then another risk that we, well, what I personally believe in is all these lending and borrowing that has exploded over the last month, for, uh, over the last year. They might have, they have like 4%, 5%, 7% interest return. I don't think that reflects the actual risk taken when lending on that platform. Because at the end of the day, the interest is a measure of risk. Right. Like trade rebounds are 1%. This is 7%. Does it actually reflect the risk that you're taking? Right. If yeah. you had a million dollars, would you come and stick it into here? Knowing that someone might, like the admin might, can remove it immediately. Yeah. I think the pricing might be slightly off. And, you know, that, that might lead to disaster in the future. You know, some people might lose a lot of funds. Sure. Whereas the reward you're getting for it might need to be much higher right. than these low risks. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so, you know, as you've been describing how sort of vibrant and organic the use cases can be, um, how do you keep up with that? And how, how do you translate what you're taking from the market to inform, you know, your customer outreach and, you know, trying to bring on new users of Kyber? Well, I mean, a lot of it is just following crypto Twitter, uh, Reddit, <laughs> yeah. coming to hackathons, just like... Just talking to people, seeing what's being built, and uh, and sorry, what was your second like, question? Like, was that how do we? Like you're how trying does that... to tailor to a particular user use case, or is it no? Forget it. We we just want to keep it to organic sort of uh, emergent growth. We don't care what the use case is. Yeah. yeah. So is it being shaped versus shaping? I guess. Yeah. Like it's... like when you think about writing a newsletter, like presumably you want to try to cater. Um, use cases to that audience. Yeah. But when there are a million use cases, like how do you focus that in and ensure you get the message out to the right people in the right way? Yeah. Uh, I think our approach was we were going to let the market decide, but the moment we had an inkling of what the market would decide, we focused on that. And what I mean by that is in, when we first launched, you know, wallets were expanding, different places were expanding, but then towards the end of the year and early 2019, we started hearing over and over again, DeFi, yeah. lending, borrowing, derivatives, taking out insurance with, okay, there's something here. Right. Now I have like my conventional finance background. I know like how inefficient it can be and this is this exciting new toy. So we said, okay, let's make sure that those decentralized finance applications have all the tools they need from our perspective at least right. to build it as easy as possible. So everything kind of clicked into place after that. We were focusing on, on decentralized finance like our bounties at hackathons were geared towards that. And even today, it's like that. Yeah. And that kind of let us ride the wave. And as DeFi expanded, we expanded with that. Because as their volume goes up, because it's kind of bringing that volume, our volume goes up with it as well. Yeah. So that's kind of how it played out. We, we knew there was a chance it was going to catch on. We had a few different areas where we could focus on. And we said, OK, DeFi makes sense. We know the people that work in this space. And they're super smart people as well. Let's make sure we get this piece right as well. And the other for wallets, I mean, we're still there anyway. Like all yeah. our so resources are there, you know, yeah. that still happens as well. But yeah. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and you also just mentioned, um, you know, bounties, and I don't know if you use Gitcoin. Um, we're we're seeing that more and more as a trend uh, for really drumming up interest in a project. So, can you talk about how you think about that at Kyber and leverage those uh, resources to you know generate interest? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, if you guys know CLR matching on uh, on Gitcoin, you know, mm -hmm. for every one dollar that you put in, it's matched by different companies and right. different stakeholders, and we think that's a super great idea of super great way of actually collecting from like the the raising funds because sometimes there's that problem as well because many of these DApps might not be profitable; they might be a public service. So how do you actually ground that? And this is one way of signaling which of these projects the Ethereum community wants to kind of fund and grow. So in that sense, we see that mechanism being super promising. You know, I think it's gradually proving itself. There's the fourth round coming up soon. So, yeah, I mean, Bitcoin crowns definitely work. And then I think uh, East Denver's had its own kind of I'm not sure if they're using Gitcoin, but they're using some kind of bounty platform. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we're using that as well for this. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love the, the idea of, you know, pushing the ecosystem to have multiple stakeholders putting skin in the game yeah. to push the ecosystem forward, right? Like, I yeah. think that's really healthy for, for the growth of everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's more inclusive as well, right? Absolutely. You know, 100%. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, you know, we are asking everybody at the conference, you know, what are some of the most exciting trends that you see on the horizon uh, in crypto, just in general? Um, I mean, okay, so it could be considered general, as in it's still so far away, but we're super excited about ETH 2.0. You know, I think that's going to be uh, super important for, for this space. In terms of, I mean, we would like to see more organic growth within crypto in general as well. Um, maybe we haven't seen that much in the last few years. I mean, DeFi is growing. But apart from DeFi and Ethereum, when I look at other products or other projects, I'm not seeing like this. I'm not seeing that J curve increase. Right. You know, so if there's yeah. one thing I would wish to see is actual usage that can spill over to the mainstream. It is going to happen, but it doesn't feel like it's going to happen in the very short term, in the next one yeah. or two years. I think there's a bit more to go for that. Whereas five years ago, three years ago, we were hoping would be further along. But that's fine, you know. Yeah. I mean, Ethereum seems to be gaining traction. I mean, at least that's what we're seeing from the on-chain data. Yeah. So we're happy with that. Yeah. And what do you think are the biggest gaps to reaching that broader audience? Um, I mean, at a very basic level, like private key management, like the ideas behind it. Do does do we expect everyone to use private keys? Like my parents, should they use private keys? If not, like, is there a point to using wallets or what do we expect them to get out of it? You know, there's still different challenges, like even basic challenges like that. Yeah. And then there's the whole, you could think about the tax treatment. Every time we're doing, we're sending something, we're doing a transaction. Yeah. <laughs> are we liable? Aren't we right. liable? <laughs> like that's a whole gray area that hasn't been settled just yeah. yet. Yeah. I'm actually really curious to hear how you guys think about that at Kyber because, I mean, inherently that is something that your users uh, or I guess, you know, the apps building on top or um, whoever it may be. Like, I, I think that must be concerning. No? Like, do you guys do any 
outreach or communication about how to handle that, recommendations? Yeah. I mean, even from the start, we said we're not going to go gung-ho and do whatever we want. Like, uh, we started in Singapore, so we, we said we're going to follow the Singaporean hmm. monetary, monetary authorities' uh, regulations. So, okay, Kyber Network itself is completely decentralized. It's on-chain. Anyone can do anything they want with it, and we can't control that. But for KyberSwap, which is the front-end, for example, uh, like, if, if the non-KYC limit was $5,000 in Singapore, mm -hmm. we kind of stuck to that as well. We said, if you want to use KyberSwap and you want to trade more than $5,000, you do have to use KYC. If you yeah. don't want to do it, go do it on my wallet or anything else. Sure. Each, it should happen at a DAP level. Each, uh, you know, if they have a different jurisdiction, that's, that's up to them. So from Singapore, we saw that Malta was pretty favorable in terms of regulatory. So we kind of set up something over there. Mm. But then like the European Union um, had this new thing they introduced a few months ago around anti-money laundering and things like mm -hmm. that. So we've been like uh, thinking again about that aspect of it. So we, we incorporated in the British Virgin Islands as well, just like for, for just to be, just not to have that liability in Europe as well, you know, and sure. so other companies are doing that as well. It's things that you do have to think about. It's, it's, a, it's definitely a risk. Yeah. yeah. It's a real struggle, I, I imagine. Oh. Yeah, and, and what about I guess more generally, you know, zooming out from that particular gap, what other points of friction do you see in the ecosystem that you know where we need to get past, you know, to get to that mass adoption? I think it all boils down to incremental change. I mean, piece by piece, we're we're, we're improving on existing problems. There might be like a dozen different small problems. Maybe none of them are like as huge as you know what we just mentioned before. But as, as we improve each piece, I think like the whole experience is going to become much seamless uh, overall. Sure. It yeah. just needs to mature. I mean, it's yeah. like, think of 93 internet. Yeah. 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 How, how crazy just, that Some was. of it's just time. Some yeah. of it's just exactly. Exactly. That's by a million paper cuts. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But I think it's inevitable that we will solve all these problems. It's just going to take a bit of time. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, and where can people find out more about Kyber? Uh, you guys can go on kyber.network. You can go on our Telegram channel. I think it's a yeah, Kyber Network. Uh, we're active on Twitter. We have our monthly blog posts if people want to read that. I'm, I'm on Twitter as well. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you, Dennis. Thanks. Right. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fork the Product. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with all your crypto friends. See you next time.